Our New Testament epistle lesson is from Philippians, Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Philippians 2, 1 through 11. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be that the same as that of Jesus Christ, who, being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made like in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and in every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. skies of Bethlehem appeared a star while angels sang to lowly shepherds three wise men seeking truth travel from afar hoping to find the child from heaven and falling on their knees Bow before the humble Prince of Peace. I bring an offering of worship to my King. No one on earth deserves the praises that I sing. Jesus, may you deserve the honor that you Oh, Lord, I bring an offering to you. The sun cannot compare to the glory of your love. There is no shadow in your presence. mortal man would dare to stand before your throne before the Holy One of Heaven it's only by your blood and it's only through your mercy 
Okay, so let's just be real here. Ministers do two things usually at the same time during a worship service. I was thinking about, okay, you at least got the offering in at the right point. Because last week I was not there uh, trying to do it something differently. And, and so I need to just do one thing on, at a time during the service. And, you know, it's like when I'm preaching, just so you know. When I'm preaching, I'm also looking at you. And I notice who falls asleep and who doesn't. I wished I had a, a control, guys, control panel up here with each seat marked so that I could just hit a little button and just a little tingle would happen to wake you up. I, I, I know who you are. I just want to say that. The other thing that scared me this morning, and I, I just have to be honest, was when the retreat board came up here. I thought they were taking over the worship service is what I thought was happening at that point, and I knew I couldn't defend myself very easily. Uh, thank you, retreat board. I appreciate you guys. I really do. Sure. And, um, well, I think I picked on enough people in worship service today. I can move on. I read this story, I love it, and I tell it a lot, and so if you've heard it before, tough luck, uh, you hear it again, because it gives a good example of the reason we can be thankful for the things that might have happened, but didn't. It was Christmas of 1997. 
a couple of my dad's friends had decided to go cut down their own Christmas tree. Upon returning home, the husband was covered with pine pitch. Uh, He set the tree up, and so he went up to shower. And while his wife began to decorate the tree, if it had only been that simple. In the middle of the husband's shower, the wife let out a huge scream, bringing the husband bounding down the stairs in nothing but soap suds. She pointed to the floor and shrieked, A snake! And there a huge black snake crawled out of the tree and slithered under the sofa. So the husband, being the man that he was, uh, got on his hands and knees and crawled under the coffee table to get a better view of the snake. Meanwhile, the wife sprinted out the back door to get some help, which released the Labrador retriever. The dog ran back in the, through the open door into the living room, and upon spying the husband in his awkward position, the dog did what any dog with an ice-cold nose would do when meeting somebody. Upon his glacial greeting, the husband, already on edge to find a huge black snake in his house, convulsed, bashed his head on the coffee table, and knocked himself unconscious. About this point, the wife comes in, goes into the living room and finds her husband unresponsive and sprawled out on the floor. Thinking that he had been bitten by the snake, she called the paramedics, who arrived in record time. As the two emergency team members were getting him dressed and strapped onto the gurney, he came too. And he told them what really happened, and they were still laughing on their way out when the snake decided to make a return appearance and slithered out from under the sofa. One of the paramedics was so frightened that he jumped back, letting go of the gurney, and the husband fell out onto the floor and broke his wrist, and the snake somehow got away. All right. As we prepare for Christmas this year, we in this room are emotionally and spiritually in many, many different places. I know for some of you, you've got family members that really are in pain and and in crisis. And some of you have lost loved ones this year. For some of you, it's, it's just really a hard time. Christmas is always that way. Well, to any of us who've already or are now or will feel stressed or pressured this Christmas, I think we need to pause for a moment and remember that baby born in the manger. God's unique son, our Lord, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. His words to us found at the close of the Gospel of Matthew are for all of us today. Jesus said, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He said, I am with you always. That's his promise. But sometimes we get distracted by our own troubles and our own busyness during this season that we lose sight of this promise, I am with you always. But it's still true, even if we can't sense him. He brings us peace and mercy and love and healing and comfort and forgiveness and hope and courage. Do you need any of those today? Well, then ask him for it. In fact, we're going to pause right now and do that very thing. I'm going to pray and then leave a blank space for you to insert one word. It's your silent prayer 
for today. It's what you need today the most. Lord, thank you for always being with us, always. We are here and we need one thing today. And in a moment, we're silently going to tell you what that one thing is. Lord, I need. We know that you're always listening, Lord, and that you're always with us. Thank you for healing this prayer, hearing this prayer today. Amen. God's with us. He's here. He listens. We need to talk. Well, our scripture passage today is one of those Christmas great passages. It comes out of Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26. Hear God's word. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, uh, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you're highly favored. The Lord's with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He'll be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign uh, over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I want you to repeat that with me. For nothing is impossible with God. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. I'm sure you've seen all the signals. They let us know that Christmas is really on its way. I mean, are you ready for Christmas? Before Halloween, we could see Christmas decorations going up. The Friday after Thanksgiving, you know, the biggest shopping day of the year. Were you out in it? This too reminds us that Christmas is coming. All of that holiday advertising and all of the Christmas music that's going on. I have an important theological question for you. Now prepare yourselves. This is a big one. Do you like jigsaw puzzles? Well, in our house, every year, jigsaw puzzles. Card table was set up. My wife loved to do jigsaw puzzles. See, I believe that there are only two kinds of people in the world. Those that love to do jigsaw puzzles and the rest of us. I hate doing jigsaw puzzles. In fact, I would sit there with my wife because she loved them, and I would play around with the puzzle and push it over here and the piece over there, and I'd finally take one and 
and fit it in. And, and sometimes the pieces that I wanted to fit them, where I wanted to fit them, didn't fit well. But I made them fit because it was close enough for me. My wife would roll her eyes and say, no, Randy, bad Randy, pick it out. And I'd then have to pull it out, and then one of those little knobby things would break off, and that's just the way it was in our house. But we did jigsaw puzzles. And anything more than 15 minutes of working on the jigsaw puzzle, and our cat would jump up on the card table and lay in front of my wife and ask to be pet. And then all of the pieces would be moved around. But everybody that came into our house was welcome to work on the puzzle. For many in our world, Advent and Christmas, and the real reason for us to celebrate, has become a puzzle. Are we celebrating a religious holiday or a reason to stimulate the economy? C.S. Lewis said, Can it really be my duty to buy and receive masses of junk every winter just to help the shopkeepers? See, the events around the birth of our Lord is a lot like a jigsaw puzzle. Mary, Elizabeth, Joseph, Zechariah were the first to begin to work on the puzzle. What was God up to that first Christmas? What does God want to do in our lives this Christmas? Let me ask you, are you satisfied with your Christmas celebrations? Or maybe do you secretly long for something more, something different in the way you observe Christmas? I believe that uh, this year things can be different. The uh, key step for us is to realize our longing for a different Christmas is to slow down, first of all, and take every night some time for reflection. You already know what's going to be like, the parties, the shopping, the cooking, the special events, you know, our extra church service. By the way, we are having a Christmas Eve service at 7 o'clock. I expect to see all of you here. Don't tell me you've got family coming in and you just don't know how you're going to be able to do it because, you know, you have that special Christmas Eve meal. We'll just have it later. After church, come because it's going to be really special this year and you're really going to like it. And that's enough advertisement for that right now. For Mary, there were so many puzzle pieces. What God was doing through her. Mary's response to God's request revealed her character. Let it be to me as you've said. This is no simple matter. In standing up for God and his power, she's going to become the object of doubt and ridicule. Mary knows she's a God's servant, so she will allow God to work through her as he wills. As far as she's concerned, he can place her in whatever difficult situations he desires. For she knows God is with her. But even with this submission to God, she needs time to really absorb and begin to understand what God really is up to. So our scripture says Mary goes to visit her relative, Elizabeth. Mary's a young woman, probably the age of around 13. She was young, poor, humble in spirit. She was illiterate and a woman in a very male-dominated society. But Mary had a godly heart. 
and she understood deep spiritual realities. Mary, the mother of Christ, modeled faith for the church. Faith that realized the birth of Christ in her life and fostered her discipleship. Saving faith is belief plus trust that issues in proper passivity leading to total dependence on Christ and then flaming into activity of service. So the four key words here are belief, trust, passivity, and activity. That's the disciples' path. Mary lives on the fringe of her nation and her society. Her family is poor. She lives in Nazareth which looked, was looked down upon both by Jews and by Romans. She brings nothing uh, on her resume other than availability and her willingness to trust and serve God. So God puts her to use in his salvation plan, taking her through a process for which she has no training or preparation. God simply promises to be with her on the journey. Mary then went to be with Elizabeth to reflect on about what God is doing through both of them. This is a key point for us this Christmas, to slow down and reflect upon what God would want to do in and through us, even yet this Christmas. Mary thinks of what is ahead. People in her town love to gossip. If word got out about her, uh, it would color and, and change what God was up to. The Romans knew enough of their beliefs to take seriously any rumor about a Messiah being born. She says, I'm pledged to Joseph. Now that complicates things. See, the law says that they were to stone a woman found during found pregnant during the engagement time. Mary thinks, will my friends and my parents think I got pregnant while I've been away? What will Joseph think? And then how do I get to Bethlehem in nine months? Elizabeth says, the prophet Micah says that out of Bethlehem will come the Messiah. But Bethlehem is a long way from Nazareth. How will this work out? It's a puzzle for me, Lord. As a preacher, if I had an opportunity to counsel Mary, I'd tell her that as time gets closer, complications start to multiply, and you need to follow through on what you've already decided is the most important. You've already made it clear that the bottom line is that you bring the Lord glory, that you must trust and love him. It's time to show yourself a worthy vessel of his high honor that he's giving you. And God will have to put the hard pieces together of this puzzle because really, Mary, they're beyond you. And those hard pieces are too much for all of us, any of us, to put into the puzzle of our life as well. Trust that the Lord will put them in at just the right time and just the right place. I want to talk for just a couple of minutes about Christmas you've always hoped for or longed for, but somehow never was. 
Why does this happen to us? It's because usually when Christmas is over, you end up feeling like, I put more in than what I got out of it. Or maybe you did something that wasn't appropriate, or you wanted to be loved, but love wasn't what you felt you were given. What does your Christmas puzzle look like? You know you're expected to be at one set of parents on December 25th at 1 o'clock in La Mesa. And your other set of parents are expecting you for Christmas Eve in Fresno. What do you do? Or how about the office party the same night as the school holiday program? They're good arguments for going to both places. Or your spouse got a migraine when you yelled about her idea of sending a Harry and David ultimate picnic hamper to the pastor, which I think was a mistake, should have been sent. Just because you're already paying over $100 a month in interest alone for your credit cards. Or you see the week of Christmas, your son, the one in med school in Iowa City, is bringing a girlfriend home. And to save money, they want to stay with you. They said they're only, they only need one room and one bed. And do you say okay or say no? Or why don't they write Christmas songs about sheep and cows and camels and donkeys and reindeer, or at least children, all in one place, bleeding and kicking and braying and stomping and mooing and yelling that they want to go to Toys R Us, and that there are no shepherds to corral them and no wise men at your house to calm them down. Things aren't exactly silent night, holy night in your home right now. I I think about that and I think about my Christmas. My wife's niece and her family are coming out of Iowa, I mean Ohio, and they're coming to stay with us on Christmas Day. Thankfully, they're not sleeping at our house, but they plan, now that the rain is coming, to be at our house We'll feed these folks. And uh, let me just say that the girls in that family take a lot of work to keep them happy. So it's going to be an interesting time. When complications multiply as the time gets closer, you need to follow through on what you've decided is most important for you. Take time with the Lord. Decide now, today, what you want in your Christmas celebration this year. Take some time each day to find a sanctuary for quiet prayer and meditation. Then follow through and offer a Christmas pardon to somebody that you earlier locked out of your life. There's still time to buy a fitting Christmas book focusing on the Lord and then Read it. It's time to get all the straight-edged border pieces and fit them together. There's still time to collect the pieces that are most important, the pieces of time with the Lord, time quiet to reflect just like Mary did. You still have time to make a real difference in your Christmas celebration. I'm sure Mary felt that uh, the first Christmas, much like many of us feel this Christmas, overwhelmed with all the pieces. Mary gives us the key to victory and enjoyment in the Advent season. Looking at Mary will help us solve the Christmas puzzle. What was Mary's way? 
Even when complications multiply, as the time gets closer, you follow through on what you decided is most important. Take time with the Lord. Decide now what you want in your Christmas celebration this year. In fact, what I want to suggest to you is to go home this today and take a couple of minutes at halftime of your football game or whatever and write down four, five, six at most things that you want to see happen between now and Christmas night. Maybe it's how to do the dinner. Maybe it's how whatever you need. And these are the things that you want because you know what will happen if you don't do that. You'll let all of the things that you should do or you ought to do or everybody else expects you to do. And if you do all of those, you will miss Christmas yourself. I've got just a little dumb sermon illustration. But then that's me. All right. Puzzles away, empty jar, afoot. Now, picture that this jar is your life, okay? You got it. And I said to take time and write down four or five or six things. I've got some walnuts here. They represent those things that you think are most important for your Christmas to be all that you want it to be. You see, if you have the Christmas that you want, ladies, I'm talking to you mostly, because the guys, they always get whatever they want. Uh, This is time for you to get what you want. Put five or six things in there and put them in first. Get them in your life. And then... And then focus on all of that other stuff. You see, if, if I filled, these are sunflower seeds. I, I plan to use them and eat them the rest of the week. But uh, if you let the things that you should or you ought or you think others want you to do, and you fill it up, you won't be able to put all of the other pieces in. So put the things in your life that you want. Make it important. And then you can just fill away. You know, I, I, I've had nightmares last night of me doing this and knocking everything over. And But you know, if I put the walnuts in later, there just wouldn't be enough space for everything. I'm patting it down now so that... Oh, I didn't know that came up. Enough of that uh, illustration. But you see, you understand what I'm talking about. If you don't put the important things in first, it's like you want to have a great Christmas dinner, but you know if you let Cousin Randy in the room... He'll probably talk politics. And so you want to set a a rule saying no politics at the table. Set it first. Anybody that that does start talking politics doesn't get fed. See, it's your house, your rules. Make the rules. They've got to follow. If they won't, they're going to get hungry. Trust me, the hungrier they get, the less they want to fight. Okay? 
Maybe you also want to come to Christmas Eve service. So come. Be part of this and you'll figure out how to feed all of those people or they can, oh, God forbid, figure out a way to feed themselves. But you come because that's important to you. It could be important to you that you do something special in the next couple of days. For somebody that that just doesn't have enough uh, and you want to help them in some way. See, this is the way we do these things. It's taking time tonight and Monday night, quiet, and even Tuesday night, quiet, reflecting. On what Jesus sit, you know, you probably haven't sat in front of your Christmas tree very long and just sit for 15 minutes and just reflect on who Jesus is and what he would want you to do this Christmas. There's so many things that we can do, but we first have to figure out what those five or maybe six things that we really want put in our Christmas, get in there. That's not being selfish, it's just being real. Because if you are filled with the Spirit, it will flow to other people in your home and at your Christmas, whether it's at your house or somebody else's house. Let's take some time right now and pray. Father, help us. Help us to figure out some of the things that you want us to do this Christmas. Maybe there's four or five or six things that that we really long for, that we really want to put in. Well, Lord, help us to put them in and make sure that everybody understands this is important to you. Because when you're filled with the Spirit, when we're filled with the Spirit, we make things so much easier on everybody else. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you for your love. And we ask you to come and direct us and show us how to finish out this Christmas so that we can have the Christmas that we've always longed for, one with you. Because that's important to us. Lord, we love you. Now bless the rest of our day and the next couple of days. And then bring us all back together again Tuesday night for a wonderful Christmas Eve service. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.